when you do start figuring out what you think the solution is, build it and release it. Hey everyone, and welcome to RCA's new business culture podcast series. My name is Rob Arnold, founder of RCA. This podcast is all about learning from those in business who have shaped world-class business cultures, how they did it, and what they faced along the way in building these great cultures. We look forward to sharing their insights, tips, and tricks with you. episode, I got to chat with Mark Forzi, the founder of BoxChamp, a globally successful tech solution for gyms born right here in South Africa. Mark tells his fascinating story about going from detesting academia to disrupting an industry and the tough lessons learned along the way to global presence. Thanks as always to our friends at Spaces for providing the venue for this interview. Mark, it's lovely to have you here with us. Thanks so much for, for your time. Um, it's, it's been wonderful to follow your journey so far. And as we always do at the beginning of our podcast is we like to give our listeners some form of context. Um, in other words, what your journey has been up until now. So in your own words, give us, a, give us the shortened version of, of your journey. Thanks, Rob. Um, likewise, it's been awesome to follow your journey. Um, but yeah, just to get into it. I uh, grew up in Namibia, in Vintuk, uh, matriculated there, um, came straight to Varsity. Of all things, I studied a BCom accounts, or started studying a BCom accounts, um, and then moved into the marketing, the marketing world. Um, I was a terrible student, terrible academically, like I always left things at the last minute, I hated studying, I think I, I had a bit of ADD. It's just not the right environment for me, but I managed to finish my studies and went into um, Red and Yellow, um, which is like a school for branding and all that. So that really sparked a passion for new brands and building ideas and strategies and, and all of that. And then after that, still not really sure exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Um, <laughs> I worked in media for a little bit, it's media strategy, um, moved on to a brand called Boss Ice Tea, which was brand new at the time, uh, which is a very quirky, quirky brand, which I really actually enjoyed yeah. my experience there and I learned a lot. Um, after which I went into the world of finance um, and financial advisory, which went quite well for me for about three years, but it was never really the end game. It, I knew it. this wasn't like what I want to do. Um, but yeah, from there, quite organically, I came across a little bit of a need and it was a personal need. I did CrossFit mm. and um, I used to write all my workout scores in my logbook okay. and um, I thought there must be a better, a better solution to this. Ended up not really planning to, but I chatted to a few people and um, my coach and, and turns out there isn't really, at the time, there wasn't anything great that one could use to track their performances for CrossFit and so on. So at, at first I was like, this would be a very cool project to start with as a, as a kind of a side thing and see how it goes. I, I'm passionate about the fitness industry. I'm quite a techie, like I, lo I love gadgets, I love apps and new technologies and I've got quite a passion for that. Um, and during the process of all my kind of research or homework that I was doing about it, I realized that it is actually a real need in the market. 
um, launched our MVP in BoxChamp. It's called yeah. BoxChamp. Yeah. Our MVP was just a workout tracking tool for CrossFit gyms. Okay. Um, called they're actually called CrossFit Boxes, okay. and that's why it's called BoxChamp. That's where the name comes from. Okay. Um, literally upon launch, um, chatting to customers and getting feedback. Mm. I was a ma one man band at the time, and I was traveling the country, literally speaking to our clients, trying to get people on board. Okay. I realized that the real need was much more than a workout tracker. It was a business management tool yeah. for business owners who aren't inherently business people. Okay. You know, usually boutique gyms are owned by someone who's passionate about training and yeah. coaching um, and not necessarily the business side. So we built a solution that is a one-stop shop, one platform where they manage everything um, and trying to streamline their businesses. And over the years, it's it's gone more into like features of customer acquisition. So how do we help them to get new members? How do we help them to keep their members? So customer retention tools, mm. um, communication tools, and automation and reminders and 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 all yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, so that that's been about five years now. Um, from the CrossFit market, we started working more with boxing gyms and functional fitness studios and so on. Started scaling to outside of uh, South Africa. Mm. Um, so we've got footprint in a few countries now, yeah. which is cool. It's harder than it sounds, or it's, well, I suppose it sounds hard. It's as hard as it sounds yeah, yeah. dealing with other countries, countries. and so on. Yeah. But yeah, it's been quite a journey. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said in the beginning, it's, it's been amazing to follow that sort of growth as you guys have gone along. Um, what's always interesting, I guess, is, is, and as you have increased your offering, you've obviously listened to certain needs and, I suppose, wants of, uh, of the different environments that you serve. In, in that growth phase and, and in adapting and evolving, what are, what are some of the, the I always call them, I suppose, failures, but biggest learning moments that you went through in that, in that transition? Yeah. So there's quite a few. I could mention yeah. quite a few. Yeah. Um, a learning, so be, starting a tech business and not actually being a developer myself mm. is quite difficult. So I burnt my fingers a few times um, with different companies that we worked with and developers and, and so on until we found our way. Mm. Um, but the, the other thing is listening to customer feedback. I, th I think it's a real skill mm. to listen to the feedback and filter out what you really think is meaningful okay. and not listening to all the feedback and trying to implement everything. Because I think at the beginning, a real challenge was I, I wanted to make everyone happy. And you're a new business and you just you don't want to lose any clients. You want to make sure they're all loving your system. And every time you get feedback, you develop this feature or you develop this enhancement, which, which actually serves them specifically and might not serve the rest of your, yeah. the rest of your customers. So that's, that's one thing. Um, not a failure, but a, an event that happened in, uh, I think it was 20... It was the beginning of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, our platform was hacked, so a malicious, a malicious security breach. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go into too much yeah. detail, but it was it was about three months where there were certain individuals and parties that that had reason to. Mm. It was actually competitive. Okay. Um, they hacked our platform and, and they tried to do a smear campaign where they sent communications to all our users um, and personal attacks on me and oh. it was completely out the blue um, but so that was really hard um, and luckily at the time 
our client base was relatively small. Mm. Um, and what it really taught me was the power of building real relationships with clients mm. and relationships where there's trust. Yeah. Um, because what actually happened could have sunk the business completely. Mm. Um, however, I had really strong relationships with the people that we work with and they trusted me. Um, and I think that made it, we didn't lose one client. Um, and it was actually an ongoing thing for three months. Okay. So that taught me a big lesson of always making sure to, our customers are not just a number, mm. it, they're real people, they're, they're people that without them we wouldn't exist. Mm. So making sure that we've got a positive relationship and making sure that every interaction that we have with them is one of, that is, is trustworthy, that the work we do has is full of integrity and and that goes a long way, yeah. you know, no matter, you know, through thick and thin. Which you mentioned just now that you you were often on the road in the beginning going to, going out to see people. Can, tell us a little bit more about that and how you how you fostered those relationships early days. What what were your sort of your key things that you followed to to make that happen? So the getting on the road actually happened from six months before we even launched. So it was kind of I had to make a decision like is this going to work or not mm. not a decision i had to learn whether it was going to work or not and i had to speak to many people mm. um and i have to give credit to some people that really helped to connect me to the right to the right gym owners who really had good insights and influence and so on which really helps a lot mm. um but yeah I, I would travel to johannesburg and derbs rent a car sleep on a mate's couch yeah. and literally go from gym to gym chatting with owners, finding out what they really need. Mm. Um, not trying to sell them a product, but, okay. w but really just trying to find out what, what is missing that they need and this is my idea and what they think of it and what if we did this and that. And that really helped to shape, to shape what we did going forward. Okay. Um, it was also great because it built those relationships even before we launched. Mm. And when I launched, I already had the relationships and in month one I had clients, paying clients which is, it yeah. took a lot of legwork before that. It's a very interesting and authentic approach, I think, to instead of off the bat trying to go and sell someone something, you, you're more trying to get their insights first. It kind yeah. of, when you do take a product to them, then it's almost that sense that it's been built with their, um, their insights. Absolutely, and mind, they helped me build something yeah. for them. And yeah. did you find that the sales process off the back of that to that person was easier? Yeah, absolutely. It was almost already a done deal because yeah. I'd kept in contact with them and kept them posted on, on development until launch. And okay. so it did really help. Yeah, I think a lot of people are so, not, I suppose, impatient to, um, to get product to markets and try and get it out there that we often try and uh, forego that step. And, yeah. you know, I think the one thing we've learned is you can't fast track relationships. You know, they, yeah. take, they take their fair share of time to, to build that connection with people. So yeah. it's... For sure. But in the same breath, I think um, also what goes pretty much opposite to that. So never to miss that step. But when you do realize or when you do start figuring out what you think the solution is, build it and release it. Um, because I think a lot of people, they chase perfection. They want to mm -hmm. launch what they think is a perfect solution. Okay. So I, I would always say, like, go for speed rather than perfection because once you launch something you learn what you need to learn yeah. to get a step further and iterate it and make it sure. 
I suppose because then you've got real data, real test, uh, a real case to, to work off rather than speculation. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's a fine line. It's a, it's a bit of a balance of both. Yeah. And, and you know, going into that phase now of, of growing and, and, and having um, started and built a, a minimal viable product and, and then sort of evolving it, and as you went into new territories, what, what were those challenges along those, those lines that you spoke of earlier? Um, you mean in the new territories? Yeah, like, I mean, just as you started to expand and the challenges that came with that, can yeah. you give us some... So, um, trying to sell a product... Okay, so first of all, technically, we had to integrate with... We had to learn how financial systems worked in the UK and in Europe, and those were our main, like, target zones. Like, UK was... It's English, it's the same time zone, you know, so that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, just learning how, how things work that side, how gym memberships work... Um, what direct debit facilities they use, what card facilities, etc. So we had to do a fair bit of R&D and then integrating with those platforms. Okay. Um, and then the hardest part is actually acquiring customers. Mm. So we've been, over the years, trying different things. So having resellers who are individuals um, passionate about fitness and the product and keen to make extra money and are outgoing people and so on, um, as opposed to just doing digital marketing and doing it centrally from here. Um, and yeah, it's been a real learning curve, um, trying to remunerate someone who's in Europe mm. in, in Rand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very, very difficult to make it worth someone's while to do it full time. Yeah. So it would always end up being someone's kind of side hustle, mm. which never works. Yeah. Um, so there's that, um, as well as the fact that because this person has never been in the company as a part of the company culture and a part of like the product yeah. evolution, and you know what I mean, it's it's hard to keep them motivated. Yeah, and they don't have. I suppose they don't have the full context of your your story and your passion, which is exactly. Yeah, in, in exactly the the word the way that it's worded um, to a reseller is someone who exactly. it's not coming from the origin. Yeah. 100%. How and, and, and I suppose as a follow-on question to that, um, you know, when you're trying to build a sales team and a sales process, uh, in your guys' game, what have you found is the best um, best approach to take? Because I mean, I think what you alluded to now, that, that element of knowing the full scale of the business, the passion, the context around it, how do you impart that on someone else? Because I mean, you know, the hardest thing I think we, we both know is you can't do everything. Yeah, um, exactly. What has been your guys' strategy or your strategy to that? So it's funny you ask because I'm still trying to figure it out. It's, we don't have a formula. Um, like when I, when I sell, when I sell, so when I meet with a client and, and pitch to them to come on board, it's very different to how a salesperson sells mm. because I always tell my story and, and I speak about it, you know, from how it all started and this is what we're trying to do and why. And, you know, obviously I, I talk about the why a lot because, because it's my company. Um, it's very difficult handing that over to someone else, not handing it over, but it's very difficult having someone else give the same spiel, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, so, We've actually got someone at the moment who who uh, was based in Cape Town, and now she's moved, and we've reallocated her to or relocated her to Vienna, her hometown. So she's based in in the EU, and she's amazing. Like, 
like she's a pivotal part of, of the business and she gets mm -hmm. it and and I think very hard to find that you know and I yeah that's a, that's a, a great a great uh, find I suppose and, and a huge asset to you guys yeah. um, from a learning point of view for for our listeners any kind of attributes or traits of that individual that you could pinpoint that I think if anyone was looking for, for someone yeah. in, in a sales role or in, in, in to, to represent the company that, that you sort of earmark as important? Yeah, sure. So in a salesperson, it sounds funny, but I almost prefer hiring someone without sales experience. Um, <laughs> there's nothing worse than a salesy salesperson. Um, so that's one of the things for me because the sales part of it, I believe, should come naturally mm. Um, and it should be genuine. It should be, I'm showing you something that I believe is really of value to your business. Not, hey, look at this product and you know what it can do. For, you know what I mean? It's, look at all the features. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's, that's huge. Um, also, definitely someone who has a bit of a thicker skin that won't take um, rejection personally from, from potential clients and so on. So it has to be a very positive yeah. person. Um, yeah, because otherwise the first few rejections and you start doubting yourself, which mm. you can't do. Yeah. Um, and someone who doesn't, someone who, who's accountable and can take responsibility mm. and doesn't blame the economy or the product or, you know, because yeah. I found like with bad salespeople, they'll always say, yeah, I would have gotten the sale if we had this feature or yeah, just, you know, money's tight, so people are not spending. Yeah, it's, there's always another reason yeah. other than themselves. Exactly. But at the end of the day, there's always another feature you can build, and the money's always tight, and it's, you know... It's yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. Um, it's, it's interesting that you, you say that, because I think this concept of, of being resourceful versus worrying about resources is something which we all, at the moment, have to be... Pretty, pretty on point on, I mean, if, it, if you think about where we're at economically, but, yeah. you know, having said that, there's so many companies doing so incredibly well. Yeah. And yeah. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, because, I mean, there seems to be a, a greater and greater disparity between the guys who see the glasses half full, see the opportunities, yeah. but now all of a sudden have less competition because all the rest of their competition are, yeah. are negative, negative nillies about the whole thing. You know? Yeah, 100%. Um, um, like, obviously in our country there's a lot of red flags mm. but there's always been and i think it'll it'll be a long time before you know yeah. before that changes um at the same time there's always issues in places so like i don't i don't often listen to the news mm. um only when there's something really pertinent happening and obviously you'll hear about it if, yeah. if there's something worth hearing about you'll hear about yeah. it but i try and focus inward and not focus so much on what's happening around us. I, mm. at, in the same breath, like we've got a lot of competition. When we started, there wasn't too much competition, and now we've got quite a lot of competition globally, especially. Mm. Um, and like I find some of the members in our team sometimes focusing on our competition, and I hate that. And it's always good to know what everyone's doing, but I don't sit and research what they're doing the whole time. I focus on what what are we doing, what do our clients need, and. The byproduct of that is other clients will need that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't, I try not to think too much about, mm. yeah. What you've said, I think, right from the first 
um, first word almost is, is you've taken a very problem-solving approach to, I think, knowing what the best fit is and, and how your product best fits into your client base. And, and it seems that that seems to be a common thread throughout a lot of the guys that are remaining relevant to uh, to their client base. Because, you know, it's it seems like such a fast-changing industry that yeah. if you don't stay afoot of that or aware of it, it's... Yeah, um, you're obsolete pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. Like when we start, when I started, I thought, that is amazing. I can do this on the side because I'll build the product and, and then it's built. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing. It's, it never stops, obviously. You have to carry on developing yeah. and iterating. To the point where I guess you, you, you wake up halfway through the night and you're thinking about a, exactly. a new development or feature or something like that. Yeah. Um, if we look inward and, and you've grown a, a lovely team over, over time, um, I guess there's lots of learnings in that sense as well in terms of people that fit in and people that don't. Yeah. Speak to us a bit about that, that element of the journey. Yeah, sure. So obviously at the beginning it was just me yeah. and then um, one person started like, I'm not even going to say I employed them because it was not even a proper, it was like a pittance. This person was doing me like a, a favor. They felt sorry for me. <laughs> We're still friends with him today. He's a great guy. Love the, love the honesty. <laughs> yeah. So it was one person, um, and then and then he left, and then two people came on board, um, and then you know built. Now we're a team of about ten in total, um, and obviously the dynamics as you add a person always change. Mm. And I had I didn't have a lot of experience with building a team and managing a team and. The HR aspect of the business I used to find really hard because mm. I, I think I'm quite a personable person, but when it comes to in a professional setting, you know, I'd rather be your friend than, yeah. than manage you or be your boss or whatever. Um, so that took a long time to learn, mm. um, but it's at a stage now, it's in a place where I, I really am happy. So the team we have now, it took a long time to get where we are, mm. but everyone gels, everyone sees it, everyone understands what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and like, for example, early December, late November, we had like, we had a server crash, a big server crash. And it, it was two days in a row where after a certain hour of the day, mm. it spikes and it doesn't come back down. It, it, long story short, there were two nights where we did almost all nighters. Um, and it was a cuck situation. Mm. Like <laughs> it was really not a fun situation to yeah. be in because our whole platform is down. Yeah. Uh, the evenings is actually when most of our clients are online because no, well during the day they're coaching and, and all of that. So, yeah, but it was really cool to see how the team came together and mm. and it wasn't like oh, I have to be at work because there's an issue. Yeah. It was like we were honestly all there on the same page trying to solve this thing and chatting to clients and we'd all go home and come back the same the next day yeah. normal time mm. ready for for the next day and that's really cool i think that's yeah it's it's a it's a lovely sign that i suppose that uh, when you do get those moments when it requires a bit extra of the the, of the individual the team that, yeah. that that's their response because yeah. i guess if they're not seeing the the greater purpose behind it you get that much more negative yeah, outlook exactly. on those extra hours or whatever. Exactly. And leading up to this point, there were definitely a few bad hires, um, and not necessarily bad people, but mm. just bad hires. Um, and I had to learn, like, they can't stay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we are such a small team. 
So one person with a bad attitude affects every single other person in the company, yeah. which affects the entire company and our sure. growth and revenue. And, um, and that's a lesson I had to learn, I would say the hard way. Mm. Um, and having to let someone go is really difficult. And, yeah. Um, but yeah. I can't remember who it was who said that if they could go back in time, a prominent South African businessman said that if he, if he learned how to hire slow and fire fast yeah. earlier, yeah. He would have. That would have been the one thing that would have changed. Yeah. But I think it's so much easier said than done. You know, yeah. I, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of balls that's got to go into that, and and a, and a lot less emotion sometimes. And it's yeah, I think the the idea behind that is to make sure that you can really make your decision in that three month probation period, <laughs> because it's so difficult in the in the interviewing process to actually see if someone is yeah. the right fit or not. Yeah, CVs today are great work of fiction, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, the, after the honeymoon phase is only when you really start seeing exactly. seeing the true color. I'm interested, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the why and the purpose element and things like that, which I think today, I mean, if you look at any um, growing business, successful business, big or small, everyone's trying to fit in line with a purpose and let that sort of be the drive of decisions and strategy and all the rest of it. Um, how have you guys kind of, try to use culture and um, and that purpose side of things to, to drive your your business. Is it is it something that's important or is it something which is kind of there but um, so I I believe in it wholeheartedly. Um, so our why this is not word for word, um, but it's it's pretty much improving the lives of gym owners by minimizing the time they spend on admin and maximizing the time they spend with people. Mm. Okay, so that's kind of the premise of what we do. So no matter what we do, it has to add to that. Um, Everyone in the company is a fitness enthusiast. (laughs) So there was a stage where every single person who worked with us was a CrossFitter. (laughs) Okay, even though we don't we don't it necessarily, it helps because they understand the, the environment. Yeah, <laughs> <it helps. laughs> and now they're not necessarily all CrossFitters, but they, yeah. they all get it. Um, mm. As a company, we do almost once a week. We try and do it once a week, once every two weeks, um, a workout at one of our clients together. Everyone, like lunchtime or mm. first thing in the morning or straight after work. Um, and it's always great because it's, it keeps us kind of connected with that why because we are usually the gym owner themselves will come and they'll coach that class so we'll arrange it with them and and before and afterwards we'll chat to them and Mm. it's it really does create a cool vibe and it helps us to bond as well um, as a team and not just get to work and work and go home yeah yeah Yeah. it's such a brilliant um, I mean I've got no doubt it's it's done in an incredibly authentic way but I think it's such a great way of staying connected to your clients but also showing showing them that you know you're in it with them kind of yeah. thing i yeah. think a lot of people uh, these days get comfortable in the ivory towers and yeah. you know remove from from what's happening yeah. so it's it's awesome that you guys are are doing that um moving on from from where box champ is now i believe you've also started um something new off, yeah. off the back of that yes um so a friend of mine, Ty, Tyron, Lazaro, and myself started it. We started speaking about it about three years ago. Um, and we built our 
business model and kind of we got quite far in the process. So where the problem came from is uh, we realized that outside of the big commercial gyms like the Virgin Actives yeah. and so on, there's a lot of specialized boutique gyms and there's a massive trend of people moving from the big commercial gym to a more specialized functional fitness, CrossFits, yoga, boxing. Um, but the, the issue is that Virgin Active is quite, you get a lot of variety of things to do there. They've got everything you need, yeah. but it's obviously very watered down. Yeah. You kind of have to go figure it out yourself and there's no one to motivate you. Yeah. A boutique gym is the opposite of that in that it's very personalized. It's um, very specific, um, which is great, but yeah. then you don't get the variety. variety. Yeah. So that's kind of where the idea came from. I had my CrossFit membership, Ty had his boxing membership, but we both had the same issue that we, we like to do other stuff as well. So I like to do a yoga session every now and then. I like to do a boxing session every now and then. Um, like once a week would be great to do something different. He had the same issue and then it actually started, we, we wanted to start doing a boxing session together once in a while. And it's a nightmare, like you don't know exactly where to go. Um, when you get there, you don't know how much it's gonna cost. Um, so yeah, so Flexi was born. Um, and it's an app that allows you to geolocate fitness studios in your area on a map. Um, you can see all the details about them and when you go, it's simply a mobile payments platform where you scan the QR code and pay for your session uh, on a pay-as-you-go basis. Um, and every time you transact and buy a session, you get a percentage of that back into your Flexi wallet. So it's a, a loyalty program where that money that you earn from training, you can spend back on more, more healthy activities. Okay. Yeah. That's an amazing concept. It's um, completely disrupting. I think the, just that normal membership um, fixated on one kind of yeah. gym or one, one environment, or one facility, which is, which is really cool. I think kind of speaking to the needs of the, peop of, of the human being now who wants to, like you said, kind of be mobile and move around a bit. Exactly, and traveling people and... Yeah, yeah. and it's still early days for, for that? Yeah, so we only launched in November. Okay. So it, it was a long road to A, get funding. We needed, we needed capital to build the app and to roll it out. It's very different to BoxChamp because BoxChamp's B2B and this is all of a sudden speaking directly to consumers. Um, so we needed enough capital to, for the marketing and, and all of that. And that in itself, just to get to to that point mm. took a long time and we were chatting to insurance companies who wanted to partner and strung us along and, and mm. it's a long story. Sure. But yeah. yeah, so we've just launched okay. um, and yeah, very early days. Awesome, well, wish you all the best with that. How's your time being, um, being sort of compartmentalized between, between BoxChamp and Flexi? So uh, I'm actually technically not operational in Flexi. Um, so Ty actually, his other businesses um, is Thirst Bar Services. So they're a bar events yes. company. And um, it's kind of established, it's at the stage he's got a GM and a business partner and so on. Okay. Um, whereas I'm still in the trenches in Boxjam trying to grow this thing. <laughs> um, so he's kind of the operational yeah. man on the ground. Um, I'm very much a strategic partner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like practically I do get involved where, where I can and, yeah. and okay. I obviously have a few good connections in the fitness industry. So it, it's been helpful to get gyms on the network and, yes. and so on. Leveraging yeah. those relationships you guys have yeah. you've built up and uh, yeah, exactly. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, as we look into the kind of the new year now into 2020 and obviously a couple of 
goals or object, objectives that come with, with the year. Where, um, where's Fours going in, in 2020? Um, so I think this is going to be a good year, a big year. Um, I haven't told you about it yet, but early last year, so we've been developing BoxChamp for five years mm. and obviously learned a hell of a lot of, along the way. Yeah. Um, and early last year, we took the decision to rebuild it. So from the ground up, wow. streamlined, optimized, mm. kind of knowing what we know. Um, for, sorry, for the, for the non-techie uh, people out there, does that essentially mean starting at square one with the right from the fundamentals of, of coding and everything? Or? So no, not, not exactly, because we'll reuse a lot of our code. Okay. Um, so we've built the functionality and it's there. Okay. But it's kind of taking that, putting it in a brand new, it's going to be a new platform. Okay. Um, and optimizing it, the the front end, like the actual app and the and what people see, okay. has been completely redesigned, okay. um, using kind of more like late the latest technologies yeah. available now. Okay. Um, so it makes the user experience much smoother and mm. yeah, and more streamlined. So that's obviously a, it's quite a it's quite a task. Um, so we started beginning of last year, mm -hmm. and we are on track to launch in in May June this year. Um, so yeah, so th that's, it's quite a challenge because we, it's going to be almost like a rollout, yeah. you know, so to our existing clients and making sure everyone is onboarded, re-onboarded in a yes. way. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a, the big thing that we doing at the moment. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a very courageous move. And I think it, it speaks to this concept of you've got to kind of make your, your existing business model or a way of doing things obsolete, which is, yeah. A lot of people, it, it makes people uncomfortable, yeah. but it's, yeah. you've got to do that to stay ahead. So it's, it's awesome. I, I'm sure it'll go as well as it possibly can with the expected uh, <laughs> challenges along the way. Um, how do you find, uh, just a, I suppose quite a specific question, but you know, human beings generally are not great with change. Yeah. Uh, when something changes, you know, for example, on, on our social media networks, yeah. when, a, when, when, when part of the UX changes or is different, all of a sudden you get thousands of people going, no, I want it the way it used to be. Exactly, yeah. And then in a couple of months time, people have forgotten completely about the way it used to be. Yeah. How, um, have you guys found a similar thing that happens with, in your interface and things like that? Yeah, or? absolutely. Yeah, you, the way you described it is to the T. So you'll work for months building something incredible you launch it expecting praise and you just get slated for about a month mm. and it's there's obviously certain people that that start using it and they they see oh this is an improvement yeah. um, but a lot of people it's just because it's what they're used to yeah. now all of a sudden this is something new and they're not used to it anymore um, but that it does pass it's something that we're very aware is going to happen yeah, but maybe what you said earlier was so pertinent about the fact that in the beginning you listen to every bit of feedback and you change and change and change, yeah. whereas now you've got that more long-term view and knowing what's right to listen to and what's not. Yeah, exactly. And in saying what I've just said is that a lot of the time, and so a lot of the time it makes a, a much bigger impact making very small changes mm. um, and people appreciate smaller changes much, bit, much more than a massive change. Um, okay. So along the lines of that analogy where if you put a frog into boiling water, it kind of exactly. jumps out. But if you yeah. warm up the water slowly but surely, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, human beings are amazingly consistent um, yeah. and, and full of shit at the same yeah. time. Um, <laughs> they amazing. don't know what they want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, but I think that's that's part of the process of learning and, and maturing, I suppose, as a as someone in business. You kind of learn learn what's noise and what's what's yeah. good to listen to, which I think is a great lesson. Yeah. And with that in mind, you know, if 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 you were kind of mentoring someone coming through the ranks or looking to start a business or going into a new role or, or perhaps even in the industry that you're in, what are the, some, of some, some of the universal tips that, are, that you'd bestow that hopefully they wouldn't make the same mistakes or could... Yeah, I just say keep your day job. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think a big one is speed over perfection. Mm-hmm. So you want to learn very quickly whether something's, not gonna, whether something's gonna work or not. Put the effort in, but but get an understanding. Um, instead of working on something behind the scenes um, for for ages, and then thinking everyone's going to get it, and then no one gets it. Mm. Um, so that's that's one thing. Secondly, don't be in a rush to get money. Mm-hmm. Don't be in a rush to get investment. Um, if you can bootstrap it as far as possible, do so. Um, so. If you, so what I'm trying to say is try and build the beginnings of a business to the point where you're getting traction yeah. and, then, and then if you need to get investment okay. um, instead of getting investment before the traction. Yeah, um, okay. because I think it's a, it's a great lesson. Yeah, so really what you want money for is to, to grow the business, not to build the business, mm. if you know what I mean. 100%, yeah. Um, otherwise you give up way too much in the beginning. And then it becomes not as worth your while later on. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I think what we spoke about the why, if it's something you don't really care about, if you just see like a gap in the market and you think this would be a way to make money, I think you're going to go through some tough times. And mm-hmm. it's, I think with any business, it's inevitable that you'll go through some really deep, dark times. <laughs> um, and if, if you don't really care about what you're doing, you you won't have the longevity. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I, I believe um, you've got to. I think if you if you're not innately really into that that purpose or, or why you do it, yeah. I think people that's when people drop off the wagon and don't see the long game. Yeah. Um, like when I hear you speak about what you guys do, you can hear the passion. You get super excited about it and. And I'm sure you've spoken about it thousands of times. You know, yeah, it's, not, it's not the first time you talk about it, but every time you talk about it, it comes out, it comes across. Yeah, and I don't think it's, it's you know, if you are truly into it, you're never going to, it doesn't sound forced or fake because yeah. it does really come from an honest place of interest. Um, so, yeah, it's <laughs> because as you say, there are so many difficult times along the way that the only reason, the only way it actually makes sense is if there's a, a fundamental love for that exactly. that thing um so yeah it's it's a great lesson and i think the quicker people can learn it the better yeah or just know and be honest with themselves because that's often i think some people sort of kid themselves into thinking that it is what their interest is but yeah 100%. maybe haven't just explored other pastures uh we always ask this question towards the end of the interview um if you had to only be able to go to one restaurant for the rest of your life <laughs> um which one would it be and why? I heard this question on your other podcasts and I, honestly, it's the, the toughest question. Um, and I thought about it and I, I think my answer would be for consistency, Willoughby's at the waterfront <laughs> as like a daily thing. Yeah. 
um, as a really cool, awesome experience. Um, I went to this restaurant long ago. Uh, we've been a couple times in London called Hakkasan, which is like a Japanese uh, fusion kind of restaurant. It was really, really good, and the service was amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of cheated there with two, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say spirit blue roots. <laughs> well, look, you can't argue with the consistency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If nothing else, they're pretty consistent. But Mark, yeah, thanks so much, man. I appreciate the the time, and it it truly has been so interesting to follow your guys' uh, progression. Um, what I think our, our listeners can learn a lot from is is the inquisitive, the curious approach that you've taken. Uh, to to growing your business, um, not being scared to ask questions of your uh, your client base and even people that aren't your clients, and almost using as using it as an inadvertent selling process. Yes. Um, but to I think to ask the right questions is, is always the starting point for for getting what you really need to know. Yeah, um, and I think your personality speaks into that. You know, you've never been scared to to ask that question and not always know the right answers off the bat. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, thanks for your time, and I hope I have no doubt 2020 will be an awesome um, next chapter. Um, I'm sure for the family as well. Um, but yeah, I look forward to following it, and yeah, here's to to a great year, man. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. That's it for today, guys. If this episode brought you value, please do subscribe to the podcast series. And for more information on building your organizational culture, visit us at rcaconsulting.biz. We'll see you in the next episode.